Welcome back to the program. Jim Watkins speaking out. I am honored to have Dr. John Lott on. He is the uh, founder of Crime Prevention Research Center, and they uh, know a lot about the, uh, I guess, the science behind the numbers when we talk about mass shootings. And they, of course, are a resource of, of information, and they break it down. And we're here to talk about specifically the rise in transgender shootings and mass shootings. Uh, Dr. Lott, thank you so much for joining me here on Speaking Out. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, I was very intrigued by the report that you recently posted on the Washington Times. And one of the things that grabbed my attention, and we'll go over some of the interesting statistics where you break down what percentage of, of gun, gun shootings involve uh, handguns versus rifles. And at the core of this is that the media does misrepresent uh, the severity of mass shootings. And what I mean to say by that is that uh, they use mass shootings as a way of, of coming up with new regulation that makes it harder for people to own guns. And the basis for that argument is less guns means less violence, less gun violence. But your studies actually indicate a lot of things that are contradict what the message is that's coming from the media. Uh, for example, more whites are involved in uh, shootings. A race of victims also tend to be Caucasian. Blacks are not as... Uh, the statistics I saw were, were actually quite low as far as victims. Uh, what are some of the other things about this study that you came out with at CPRC that we should know about? Right. Well, I mean... There are a lot of uh, claims out there about uh, the rate of frequency of mass public shootings and other things. You know, uh, often you'll hear somebody like uh, President Biden, will, like when he just had his recent uh, Uvalde report, uh, will go and say, you know, we've had this horrible Uvalde tragedy where 21 people were killed and there were 600 uh, of these mass public shootings over the course of the last year. And the problem is, is I, I think that's really misleading. Uh, you know, if you, they get their numbers from a place called the Gun Violence Archive, which goes and uh, defines a mass shooting as three or more people uh, injured or killed uh, in any type of shooting. And the thing is, uh, and, and even in their numbers, they actually do include somewhere three or more people are injured. And then when they say injured, that doesn't necessarily mean shot. Uh, but beyond that, uh, if you take their numbers, about 80 percent of, uh, of the cases that they have are gang fights over things like drug turf. Um, uh, most of the rest are crimes involving things like robberies. The FBI and their active shooting reports uh, kind of defines things differently. What they look at is a a shot being fired in public, uh, not involving some other type of crime. And, and they include anything from one person being shot at and missed all the way up to a mass public shooting. Uh, traditionally, the FBI has defined mass as four or more people murdered. Um, so if you define uh, a mass public shooting as four or more people murdered in a public place, not involving some other type of crime like a robbery or a gang fight over drug turf. Since 1998, you've had between one and eight of those a year with something just over three uh, on average occurring over that period of time. That's a long ways from the 600 or something that you'll hear uh, being bandied about. Um, that's not to say that gang fights over drug turf aren't important. 
uh, obviously, uh, people being injured, uh, whether it be shot or falling when they're trying to run away, or people being murdered uh, or killed, are not important things. They are. It's just that the causes and solutions for these different types of events are very different. You know, you'll see, and the media, I think, generally recognizes this and their coverage on these events. So you'll see, you know, the media will say there'll be 28 shootings in Chicago over the weekend. But they don't give coverage to each of those attacks that occur uh, because they're overwhelmingly, pretty much exclusively, things like gang fights over drug turf. And, um, and people just aren't as shocked or upset or as concerned about those for whatever reason as they are when somebody goes into a mall or a movie theater or a restaurant or uh, a school with the sole purpose of just trying to kill as many people as possible. And so, you know, if you want to try to differentiate uh, gang fights and robbery uh, deaths or injuries uh, from things like uh, a mass public shooting, uh, you know, they're very different types of cases. And I think the media generally recognizes that, unfortunately, the numbers from the Gun Violence Archive, which is a gun control group, uh, are constantly referenced by not only people like President Biden, but also, uh, you know, everybody from the New York Times, the Washington Post, and, uh, you know, the rest of the media there uses it, I think, in order to try to make people think that something like the Uvalde attack uh, or the uh, Lewiston, Maine attack uh, are much more frequent than they actually are. That's an interesting distinction, because if the argument for reporting mass shootings at such a high level is justification for more stringent gun laws, the gun laws that they would put into place don't really impact the people who are responsible for most of the shootings because they're by nature breaking the law anyway. Talking about cartel members, as you say, turf wars. So we'll see a rise in that kind of gun violence, to be sure, and we're already seeing it in places like New York on the subway earlier this week and so forth. But that doesn't truly reflect a reality where guns are the problem. The guns that are the problem that are making the noise are going to be in the hands of these people, regardless of whatever stringent gun laws we have, correct? Right. Well, look, uh, it's very difficult to take guns away from drug gangs. Uh, You know, you're going to have about as much success doing that as you have getting drugs taken away from drug gangs. You know, it's not like a drug gang can go to the police and say, look, this other dealer stole our drugs. Can you help us get them back? They have to set up essentially their own little militaries in order to kind of protect that extremely valuable property that they have. And, uh, you know, if I could click my fingers and cause all guns in the United States to disappear and all illegal drugs, how long do you think it would be before illegal drugs started coming back into the country? If you live in El Paso, 20 minutes. And how long would it be before they would be bringing in uh, the illegal uh, guns in order to protect that very valuable property that they have? They'd be bringing them in at the same time. I mean, you can look at a country like Mexico, for example. Mexico has had one gun store in the country since 1972. It's run by the military. Guns are very expensive. The most powerful gun that you've been able to legally buy in Mexico since 1972 is a bolt action 22 caliber short round uh, rifle. Uh, That's not the type of guns that drug gangs are using uh, in Mexico. 
and yet the murder rate in Mexico has more than doubled uh, since 1972. Uh, in some recent years, uh, their murder rate has been as high as six times higher than the murder rate that we have in the United States. And, uh, you know, drug gangs in Mexico uh, obtain their weapons, uh, you know, from around the world, just as they go and bring in the illegal drugs that they sell from around the world. Uh, I wish it was easy to stop drug gangs from getting hold of drugs, but it's, you know, proven to be obviously a very difficult task. Another thing that your uh, your statistics show clearly is that, for example, in uh, gun-free zones, which were created under the auspices of trying to reduce gun violence, 82% of all shootings are in gun-free zones. So that policy is not working. It's actually making people less safe. Interesting. Uh, what Yesterday's, or the, earlier this week, Kansas City, would that qualify as a mass shooting? I think there was one person tragically killed, two others. Would that qualify as a mass shooting? Or would they... Or would they uh, well, I mean, able- not if you define it as four, four or more. I right. mean, if you want to define it in terms of people injured, it, it's still not 100% obvious to me how many of the other people that are injured uh, were shot versus were harmed in the kind of the melee of right. running away. But yeah. we'll, we'll presumably get more detailed information on that over time. I want, to, I want to bring up this very important issue, transgenderism. We're seeing a rise in the number of, of people who are involved in mass shootings or shootings in general that are transgender. Transgenders only represent a very small, less than 1% of the population, and, and, and but yet uh, 5.4% of the mass shootings are by transgender individuals. What do you make of that? I mean, you can't extrapolate that. Uh, is it? Are we missing what's causing this? Is it hormonal? Is it drugs that we're using uh, that we're giving to these people? Do you have any statistics on that? Well, uh, look, uh, anybody who reads the diaries or manifestos for these mass murders in general uh, knows that these individuals are, they commit suicide at high rates. Uh, I mean, they're committing suicide and they they feel unappreciated and they feel maybe put upon or whatever. And uh, and their goal is to commit suicide in a way that will get them attention and people will know that they were here. And so I guess it's not super surprising to me that transgenders are involved in these attacks at high rates simply because they kind of fit that description. Uh, uh, transgenders tend to be very suicidal compared to the rest of the population. And uh, and they very frequently seem to feel put upon that somehow, uh, you know, that they're not appreciated. And so it's not too surprising to me that they're way overrepresented. I mean, if you look at the surveys from the Centers for Disease Control, the Census and Gallup, uh, basically, they've only really started asking these questions from 2018 on because uh, the share of people like that in the population has increased uh, dramatically over time. Uh, you're talking about uh, 0.7%, so seven-tenths of 1% of the population. And so if they are making up 5.4% of the mass public shooters over that period of time, uh, you know, they're... More, more than seven times their share of the population. 
It's a strong indicator that something's wrong. And that would be also true for the number. Have you ever had any statistical analysis done on the percentage of mass shooters who are on uh, some kind of mental health medication or being treated for mental health? Is there a percentage? Like, is it overwhelming that most mass shooters are either under observation, being treated, or had been treated for mental uh, health issues? Well, those are different questions. Okay. well, if we look at from 1998 on, uh, about 98% of the mass public shooters were actually seeing, had been seeing mental health care professionals prior to their attacks. Uh, we don't know what percent of those were having different types of uh, drug treatment. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, what we do know is that uh, these mental health care professionals in none of these cases were able to identify these individuals as a danger to themselves or others. It's really quite striking. Um, you know, and a lot of that just has to do with uh, kind of how the mental health care profession works. They're used to people coming in who are trying to get help. So they assume that the people who they're talking to are being honest with them about what the issues are. And, uh, uh, you know, you, so you have something like the Buffalo mass murder from the year before last, where uh, he had told the teacher that uh, uh, he was going to find a school, shoot it up, and then commit suicide. The teacher was obviously very concerned, uh, flagged him. Uh, he saw two mental health care uh, experts, and he told the experts that, well, he was just joking. It was a stupid joke. He shouldn't have said it. Uh, and the mental health care professionals basically took him at his word. Um, you know, you have people like the Santa Barbara mass murder. Um, uh, he was actually seeing three mental health care professionals, one of them uh, the head of psychiatric services at Children's Hospital in Los Angeles, who is considered a world-renowned expert on youth violence. You know, and in his diary, he talks about how easy it is uh, to fool them because they basically just take whatever you say at face value. Mm -hmm. So if you say you're not planning, you basically have to be pretty stupid to be one of these guys to go and tell one of these mental health care professionals that you're planning on killing people. Now, with regard to the drugs, the issue, and a lot of people raise this, but the, the, the problem with the drugs can occur when there's changes in dosages. And right. usually uh, those impacts are fairly short-lived. You may be talking about a couple of weeks or something like that. And what you find is that these individuals are planning these attacks long beforehand. You know, uh, planning an attack, let's say, uh, at least six months, some cases two, two and a half years or so before the attack are common. And, um, you know, so the notion that somehow... Uh, being on these drugs uh, is responsible seems unlikely simply because, uh, you know, if it's a short-term impact, that doesn't explain why they were, you know, may explain why they did it at a particular time. But because of HIPAA rules, we don't know right. uh, what drugs they were taking or whether the dosages were changing. But it's not going to explain why they were planning on doing this for two years in advance. 
Well, I wish we had more time. What a fascinating um, insight. I appreciate that very much. Dr. John Lott joining us. And if you want to find out more about what they do, go to crimeresearch.org, crimeresearch.org. You can look at this most recent publication, plus previous articles as well. And we appreciate your work and your time here today. 